Good morning. I miss you. I miss you so much. I got this new job and I'm like gone all the time. The last two weeks I've been in Tennessee and Oregon. I don't love Oregon. And uh, Washington, it's, it's a joy, but um, I miss you. So it's good to be back, good to be back. Um, so let me start with prayer. God, it is, uh, it's good just to sense your presence. Thank you, God, that you're here with us. Um, you're, here, you're here with us all the time when we leave and when we come, but God, it's, it's amazing just to hear how you connect things together, even in just this hour. And Lord, help us to be sensitive, just as uh, Kim prayed earlier, to, to what it is you might have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, I don't know if Pastor Nate or Mark did this intentionally, but you had a med student read that text. So, well done, because I don't know if anybody else could have. Like, those names. Like, what did you say again? So first of all, I wondered how uh, in the world God would guide me through this text. <laughs> and then I realized Mark always gives me these. Um, but as soon as I looked and read the first few times, I realized this is just about godlessness. And wow, it's extremely relevant to us. So many years ago, my wife and I went to a wedding. This was a family member of hers. And we went, went there. It was beautiful. It was outside. It was just gorgeous. And and it was pretty soon, right after the ceremony, where we realized there was something missing. The name of God was not mentioned at all. This is a gal who grew up in the church. Her dad was a pastor. And there was, there was nothing of God. No sacred text. It was beautiful, and their love was real. But there was just an emptiness. And so my wife and I was funny, even without uh, you know, really talking about it. We both instantaneously just sensed that. It was, it was, it's hard. So we're, we're looking at Cain, who is not someone we want to follow. <laughs> um, and really, I mean, even the New Testament talks about this guy, Cain, who's the first murderer, and says, hey, don't walk the way of Cain. Yeah, I would hate for my legacy to be, don't walk the way of Wes. That would be bad. Don't walk the way of Cain. So, uh, I don't have the energy that Nate does, so I hear his message, and I'm, like, tired after hearing him. So, if you want to, you know, pick, you're going to have to pick yourself up, because I'm kind of dry. Like, I'm trying, but I just, I get tired just thinking about trying to keep up with some of these guys. Um, and Dave Nystrom, who comes and preaches every once in a while, is just way smarter than any of us. So, it's just like, huh? Excuse me, when we talk like that, guys. Verse 16 in chapter 4, the last verse, Nate preached on that. Excuse me. Uh, yeah. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence. And that's part of the reason why I prayed, because this idea of God's presence was, was, was kind of on me as I was studying this. And he lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Okay, a couple things, two things. One on Nod, one on east. Nod means wanderer. If you look at the text, and you may want to have it open here, Genesis 4, whether on your digital device or, or paper, it says in Genesis 4, 12, you will be a wanderer on earth. And then guess where he settles? In wanderer. Or not. There's so much intentionality with scripture. If you look at Genesis 3 and 4 and the parallels, it is scary. And I wish I could go through it with you with slides, and maybe another time I will, but it is so cool to see the parallel between this snake and then the, the 
creepiness of Cain tempted to kill his brother and the choice he has. And then you've got, uh, you've just got all these connections. It's phenomenal. You've got uh, Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden. And then you've got Cain kicked out of the presence of God. There's so many parallels. But we're just going to look at Cain. And uh, it's important to realize that he was kicked out. Now, if you remember in the, in the garden, uh, in Genesis 1, 2, 3, in 3, uh, there are cherubim placed on the east, and they're kicked out to the east. So, uh, Ishmael's family, if, if, you're, if you know something about scripture, you can track with me. If not, it's all good. Just trust me. I'm, I'm being honest, really. Ishmael, right? We've got Abraham, Isaac, and Ishmael. Ishmael's family goes east. I guess east would be for this, for you guys. Lot, when he's given land, chooses to go east. And that's not a good place. It's where Sodom and Gomorrah are. Jacob goes in exile. Guess where he goes? Guess where he goes? So that's why west side's better, right? It's so funny. My, my name is Wesley. Wesley? Don't ever call me that. Wes is good. My parents named me that, right? And, and it means to go west. It's a westerly. It's like the old English. And so I moved from New Jersey to here, California. And then uh, I just kept getting jobs that went like further west. And then I started working for Western Seminary, which is weird. People were like, oh, that's convenient. And then I got a new job. And, and my job went from like with Western Seminary to San Jose. I kept going further west. And I was like, Lord, you've got to send me to Hawaii. And so I got a job and let you go to Hawaii and work. So I'm the Western Regional Director for this group of med students and doctors, Christian Medical Dental Associations. And so somebody's got to help those students out. <laughs> and that's why East is actually bad. So as we follow through and you look at things in Genesis, East is not going to be a place where God is very present. So what Cain is, is East. Now this, this, um, this text that we're, this whole chapter, excuse me, has three sections, and they're all kind of delineated by a birth. And so we have the first one, Genesis 4.1, Adam made love to his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain, the first one. And she said, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. And then we look, actually, the verse will begin next week's text, Adam made love to his wife again, and she gave birth to a son named Seth saying, God has granted me another child in the place of Abel since Cain killed him. Now, I'm just going to pause right there and say, made love to his wife is the worst translation I could ever think of. Now, it's what it is. Okay, don't get me wrong. But it's the word yada, which means to know. And there's different levels of knowing, right? You all know this. See, I just used it there. We know people because we follow them on Instagram, right? Oh, I know them. We might link with them on a social media platform, in other words, in order to like connect with them and feel like we know them, like, oh, I know that guy. And we might know people because we want to stalk them, and you're creepy if you do that, so please never do that, although Pastor Mark says he does that a lot, he's a Facebook stalker, isn't he? He's creepy. Um, one, one powerful message or text I've been loving recently is, is 2 Peter 1, 5-8. And it says, for this very reason, make every effort to add your faith goodness. Okay, so we're talking about character traits, right? So add your faith goodness and goodness, knowledge. Knowledge, self-control. Self-control, perseverance. Perseverance, godliness. And godliness, love. 
Oh, excuse me. Godliness, brotherly kindness. Sorry, I had to give my shout out to Philadelphia there. Good place. Brotherly kindness, which is still us. And to, to, to brotherly kindness, to brotherly love, real love, agape, service love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your life. No, it says you are knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So knowledge begets character, and character begets knowledge of Jesus. So let me ask you, if your knowledge and what you're throwing into you is not making you more like Jesus, is it knowledge? Now, obviously we all have things to study, right? I mean, you've got to do things for work, you've got to understand computers, but it's not like it's not making you less like Jesus if you're not studying. We, we've got to do that. But how we live it out, how it, how it shapes us is important. We all want to be effective. We all want to be productive. But if that stuff's not happening with our knowledge, yikes. So there's different levels of knowing, right? So there's this guy, I stay with him. He's a, he's a doctor, and uh, I stayed with him in Tennessee a few weeks back. And he was telling a story for this devotional. It was really pretty interesting. He said, you know, I've, I've had 13, uh, I've known 13 presidents in my lifetime. Well, he said, no, I know their names. But then he said, I, I know one pretty well. We talked every week while he was president. And I'm going, who was it? Well, I, this is cool. Like, I don't know if he was flaunting or whatever. But he just said, hey, I know this guy intimately. That's how God wants to know you. He wants to know you intimately. So then he told a story of Abraham Lincoln. And he said, Abraham Lincoln uh, was sitting with his generals. And it was, in Virginia had just, uh, excuse me, the South had just won Virginia, the first battle there. And so he's, he's, he's in a room with all of these generals, and he, he stops, because in walked his little boy. And he stopped their planning to give his full undivided attention to his son. And he, he gave it, answered whatever, had to go along, and then continued to give. The, the living God pauses, not in the midst of generals, but he pauses in the midst of Everything, and yet he can still do it at the same time. Just to be with you. That's powerful. So I went up to the guy afterwards, and I'm like, man, you were alive with Lincoln? But anyway, I He didn't get it either. Um, so the third birth narrative here is the text where we start. Genesis 4.17. Cain knew his wife. That's what knowledge means. It's a, it's a, he knew his wife intensely. And no can mean very different things in terms of context and, and with the verb tenses there. And she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city and he named it after his son Enoch. Now there's big significance uh, between this birth and the other two. What is it? Take a look. What is it? Yell it out. <laughs> Remember I told you to open your Bibles? Oh my God. <laughs> what is it? He named his city after him, yes. But the other two births, look at him. I'll read it again. It says, she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And then she says, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. And then she does it again. She has, and she births Seth. And she said, God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. So what is it? What is the difference? No mention of God. The presence of God was not there. That's the idea with Cain. It, God was, was not present there. 
And Cain wanted to die, remember? He wanted to die, and God's like, no, 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 no. You're going to live life without me. That's worse. So he could have named the city Enoch because of a couple things. Um, his name meant to dedicate. But here's one thing that's unique. There's two really bad cities that are they're developed in Genesis 1 through 11. One of them is Babel, which we know becomes Babylon, which is like a bad city in, in Scripture, right? So we got Babel, and that's a bad city, and it's said that it's a bad city. But here, Enoch, the city Enoch, not the person Enoch, it doesn't say it's bad. It doesn't. There's really no clear evidence that it's bad. Now, it's connected to Cain, but it's not necessarily. It's not... It's not against God. It might be Godless, but it's not against God. Genesis 4.18. To Enoch was born Irad. Irad, father of Mahujael, and Mahujael was a father of Methushael. Methushael was a father of Lamech. So the next three sons really have nothing to do with the story except the fact that they are part of a lineage. Now check this out, right? God's real big in the numbers. Believe it or not, right? He made the world in six days and rested on the seventh. He, he, you know, a lot of numbers go, uh, are a part of understanding God. So the seventh generation from Adam is Laman. You could say it's the sixth generation from Cain. The number six means the number of man. It's usually not a good thing. I don't know why LeBron James picked it, but it's not typically a biblical good thing. <laughs> Six is not uh, six is where he comes in, where where Lamech comes in. On the other side, ironically and no relation, is Enoch. So Seth, when he bursts, the seventh is Enoch, and Enoch's really cool because it says he walked with God and he was no more. And Hebrews tells us he didn't die; he did not experience death. So we have this line of Cain where you got this guy Lamech, who, spoiler alert, is horrible. His, he makes his dad look like Abel. Like, he, he's bad. And then you've got this amazing guy, Enoch. And so you see these parallels. That's where you get, this Genesis is so filled with, like, if you like puzzles and stuff like that, oh my goodness, Genesis is so fun in that regard. So, back to Cain's stuff. Lamech is so bad, so bad. Now, he's only mentioned in this short text. We don't have any other mention of him, just like his brothers, anywhere else in Scripture. Um, he's not only brutal, but I think some of you kind of snickered, or I think I saw something when it says he had two wives. This is the first guy who does polygamy. And it's, it, some scholars say that Genesis 1-2 has, it screams monogamy. It screams, you are to have a monogamous relationship with God. With Adam and Eve. Just like there's one Lord, there's one spouse. So it says Lamech married two women, one named Adam and the other named Zillah. I, I gotta be honest here. I'm, I'm thinking about this, and this is sometimes a dangerous topic. You can't deny the fact that relationships between man and woman are a hugely significant part of Scripture. If you were to just thumb through the pages of the Bible, I, I, you know, you don't even have to write anything down. Just look. Where are relationships between man and woman? And specifically, male and female, where it mentions sexuality or sexual anatomy, cir circumcision, all these things. It is crazy. It's filled with it. It is filled with it and has huge impact on relationships. Oftentimes a metaphor between God and us. 
But it's huge. You know, people say religion is about being good, some say. But the reality is, it's about being obedient. Obedient and faithful. We can use those interchangeably at times. Faithful relationships are healthy and blessed. Let me say it again. Faithful relationships are healthy and blessed. Unfaithfulness is where it goes awry, right? I, I, I mean, no one says vows with the intention to break them. You just don't. They're like, to have the whole, this day forward, till we get a divorce. I've never heard that. We want to honor and obey our vows. And God wants to do that, and he does it. He's faithful. And we know we're not. We're to obey his vows just like he does the vows that he promised with us. So Ada gives birth to Jabel, father who lives in tents and raises livestock. So I was trying to like make this like, okay, how does this relate to today? So I'm thinking he works at REI or an animal feed store. Okay? He makes tents, or he, excuse me, he lives in tents, and he raises livestock. So here's the first time we ever have invention. This is the first technology on earth. Which is pretty cool. And then Jubal is the father of all who plays string instruments and pipes. If he works at Guitar Center or something like that. You know, like, I, Josh just woke up. You see that? That was awesome. So, so we've got this guy who's making music. We've got this guy who's doing land and animals. Um, you know, they're nomads. They're just wandering. Remember? The land of wandering. And so here's this guy who's a professional wanderer. And then we have, uh, well, you know, it's funny. I, I think you could combine these stores. These stores make up all of the brothers. Actually, let me read the next verse. Zoad's son, Tubal-Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Tubal-Cain's sister was Naaman. So you have this guy who makes these things. Some would say, like, he's a smith of some sort, right? So he's making these things. So you have a combination of, in these three boys, these stores represented REI, Green Acres, PetSmart, come on, Guitar Center, and then Home Depot, right? This guy's like making tools. <laughs> See, the Bible can be relevant, I think, if we massage. I don't know. Um, hopefully not too much. But Zilla has Tubal Cain, and, and it's interesting it mentions his sister. Now, in this day and age, to mention a woman is like, why bother? Right? right? We know a little bit better. We're still a long way to go in our society today, but it was like, what? What? He's got a sister? And sure enough, that's important. And I think that says a lot about God. That even in this, you know, women are a part of the family. So these, these skills, their skills and names give us so much more than what we would read. Like, let's say you were just reading this text like we did this morning. And you're like, okay, yeah, whatever. When you pause and let it sink in, you're like, oh, wow, we've got, like, technology. We've got some serious things. Arts. Craftsmanship. Now, is there anything wrong with any of this stuff? No. In fact, it's it's great to some degree, right? God created them, and, and these male and females created them, and even without God, they develop things. They they rely on them. It's progress. One scholar says God allows them to prosper in their earthbound way. They produce music, weapons. Agricultural devices and cities. That's what we define a culture to be. They define, they, they come up with a culture all by themselves. 
but in a bitter and cursed world. See, even without God, humans can create stuff. Think about that. Even without God, we can make progress. Even without God, we can make progress. The challenge is that everything was limited to what humans create, and it was godlessness. And then we have this disturbing poem from Lamech to his wives. He says to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me, wives of Lamech, hear my words. I've killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. What? He's bragging to his wife that he killed a guy? Um, I guess if we turn on ESPN and watch long enough, we could see some of this. Politics, everything else. We're killing people left and right. Whether with our words, or our fists, or with the weapons that we create. That's crazy. It's crazy. And it's tragic. And he even says, like, I'm going to be the Avenger. Said if Cain's avenged seven times and Lamech seventy-seven times, he takes things into his own hands. Lamech feels that he's his own security. How often do we feel like I, I gotta, I gotta prepare myself because I'm the only one who's going to be able to protect me? And that's what he does. This technology designed for them alone. He has no problem. Uh, I'll read this from uh, Dr. Vic Hamilton, a guy who's a scholar. He says, if Cain is avenged only sevenfold, he will be avenged seventy-sevenfold. He has no scruples about taking the law into his own hands. Lamech's, Lamech's chief characteristics in line with irregular marriages are not commendable. He's not only replete with a spirit of vindictiveness, but also a proud man who backs away from nobody and doesn't hesitate to kill anybody. So we see Cain's mindset now surfaces in his great great, great grandson. You remember who avenged Cain's killing of Abel? God. Who does it here? Lamech. He takes it into his own hands. Okay, so what? Right? Isn't that the question with all this stuff? So what? How does this apply to us? I would say this. Progress, art, music, development of tools, these are great things. I mean, you ever try and open up a can and you're twisting and twisting and twisting, and then your wife gets out some tool, and it's like, man, give me that back. I loosened it for you. You know, but, but there's all these things, that, these tools help us. One of my favorite tools is that giant, like, 35-pound pokey thing that goes to the ground. Any gardeners out here? Anybody? Anybody? Never mind. No one knows what I'm talking about. But it's really cool. So, if we aren't with God and we aren't for God, all we're doing is bringing about godlessness and lifting up ourselves for our own benefit. Progress in the arts, one scholar says, arts and technology was matched by progress in sin, as illustrated by Lamech's boastful song of murder. You've got progress along both fronts. You've got progress along both fronts. So what do we use tools for, right? Phones. Well... Tools, technology, social media, cars, even music. 
gardening, building, television, sewing clothes, cooking meals, development of our bodies, organization, recreation. All these things are good. We use it for that. But ultimately, what's it for? It sometimes seems to stand empty. And now that I work with medical students and, and uh, doctors, just hear the tools that they use. Like there's this one, oh, I forget what it's called, Da Vinci or something like that, where they go in and they like robotically do things and it, like they put their hands at something. It's like, what are you talking about? This is nuts, man. And, and, and uh, somebody was like, yeah, I'm going to go work on this tomorrow. I'm renting it from the hospital. I'm like, how do you rent a giant robot that's like in a movie in 1985? <laughs> and it does good. It does a lot of good for people. So we can use it for good and we can use it for evil. We can use it for ourselves and that doesn't have to be evil. But ultimately, where, where are we going with this? And I believe God has this brief genealogy about these uh, peculiar boys and, and, and girl to say, look, this is what happens without God. Now, many of you are thinking, oh my goodness, that was hundreds of thousands, not hundreds, but tens of thousands of years ago, or however we want to look at things. And it doesn't look any different than 2022. The word of God stands forever. And there's truth in it for all times. And sometimes it's creepy how true it is. So one scholar said this, and I was like, uh, what's this talking about? Then or now? Here's a picture of an affluent society defying God and his laws, seeking pleasure and self-indulgence. <laughs> really? Page four of the Bible? And I could say this uh, anywhere in culture, and they would be like, yeah, probably true. Probably true. Now, when I reflect on this passage, I can't help but flip it. What would life be like without God? Can you think about it? I mean, other than horrible, I think of his design, his love, his sovereignty that's both in control and loving at the same time, his compassion, his ever-presence, how he's created us, the relationships he's given. Eve knew that, that what she got was from God, and she said it first, even, before, you know, even after the fall. She knew it was God. They knew that even though they were cast out, he was still with them. He was still with them. He didn't abandon them. Cain's line, his line, however, ignored God because it was all about them. Listen, folks, God knows you. He stops what he's doing to give you his full attention, even in the midst of the chaos that the world has going around. And that is the story of Jesus. That's the story of Jesus. He, he entered into this world. He died a murderer's death, even though he did no wrong and was murdered himself. And then, unlike Adam, Eve, Cain, his vengeance was to defeat death on our behalf. To buy you back, to buy me back. He sent his spirit then to live in us if we choose to follow him and trust him for our eternal salvation from a world like Cain's filled without God. That is great news. Great news. Gospel means good news. We need a new word because that's great news. But it doesn't just stop with that reality. He wants you to know him. 
And he wants you to know he's there and working. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. And I really think he needs you to acknowledge that. What's in the middle of that word? No. Acknowledge. You know, God sings through the psalm, well, the psalmist. And it's so real. He says, you've searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my coming down. You, you're familiar with all of my ways. You know my habits and my patterns. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O God. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where do I, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go from your presence? If, if I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I go up to the heavens, you're there. The psalmist sings, he says, if I rise in the wings of the dawn and settle on the far side of the sea. It's almost like you're flying, right? Maybe you're going west to east and it goes, you got a new day. Even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. He says, he says but what if, uh, I know what I can do. He says, uh, surely the darkness will hide me and the night will become like light around me. He says, even darkness is as light to you. In the night, it shines like the day. Because even darkness is as light to you. And he says, you created my inmost being. My inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And you know that full well. His works are wonderful, aren't they? He says, my frame was not hidden you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days, all the days ordained for me were written before even one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts. How vast is the sum of them. I love this part. Did you ever stick your hand in the sand? And you just lift it up. And you shake it off. And then you look at how many grains of sand are on your hand. How vast are the thoughts. Were I to number the grains of sand, your thoughts without number. And that's just one hand. There's a lot of ocean and a lot of beaches. And yet he knows you. The psalmist finishes and he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Know my anxious thoughts. Know me. He does. He knows you. See if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. He loves he knows. Do you know? I think you do. But to what degree? To what degree are we knowing God? And for what reason? God knows our culture is filled with great technology and advances, cities and relationships. But he also knows how godless our land is. So what can we do? I really think acknowledging him is the key. And, and I'm going to argue there's, there's three ways you can do it. Speak it, write it, think it. Speak it, write it, think it. Now you might be like, oh, yeah, that's easy. It's actually biblical. Deuteronomy 4, 4 through 6, it talks about it. It says, uh, 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's, it's echoing again that oneness. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And what does Jesus add? Mind. Now, Greeks were all about the mind. That was a big deal, right? We got Plato and, and um, all these others who are influencing that. But he says the mind. He, then he says, impress, impress these commandments I give you on your children. Talk about them when you sit and when you rise, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So speak, right? And then he says, tie on symbols on your hands and on your foreheads. Right? We wear bracelets sometimes. Remember the WWJD thing? I just hated myself. Um, yeah, it's funny. I mean, it becomes trendy, but is it a reminder for you? You know? Uh, and then he, he says, this is write it on the doorposts of your house, on your gates. I did that in concrete one time. My wife wasn't a fan. So write it. Write it. And, and here's crazy. In Deuteronomy, this, this verse here, 6, he says, uh, uh, right on the door frames and gates, when the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land filled with flourishing cities you did not build. I wonder if the city Enoch was one of them. Wouldn't that be cool? You didn't build them, but God's going to make good out of them. And maybe man, without God, thought it was doing a great thing and made this awesomeness. And then you were able to receive it in God's name. And it was even better than if it was just blank land. That's awesome. And don't forget, I'm the guy who brought it, you out of slavery. So speak it. Don't, don't be obnoxious, please. Please don't be obnoxious. Especially around Cain-like people. I mean, it's good to talk about what God's doing. I think, I think one of the best ways you can talk about what God's doing, especially at work, Mondays. Mondays. I think if, if we talk about the fact that, yeah, you know, this week especially it's going to be easy. It's like, man, this is an amazing kind of church. And I met these cool people at this, this harvest festival. And, and, and then I went to church with this. And I heard this and God was kind of impressing on me. Now, I might creep them out. But it, how often do we just talk about church being good? People probably wonder, like, why do you go? You never talk about it. It's like, anything happened there? <laughs> you know, this weekend I cleaned my garage. But you went to church and it was amazing. That's kind of weird, huh? Like, how do we do that without being weird? Isn't that the question? I think just people knowing, hey, there were good people at my church is a good start. Because I don't know about you, but I, I get a little concerned when Christians give each other bad reputations. So can we give each other good reputations? Can we talk kindly about other believers and talk kindly about what happens at church and lift people up? Because that is a testimony to what God is doing. So talk about it. Talk about it. Write it. Log what God's doing. I listened to a podcast in September. I was driving down to L.A. And this gal was just talking about a book she wrote uh, called God's Sightings. God's Sightings. And, and it was just a story about mission trips she went on and how God showed up. And I realized, do I look for where God's working? So I started that day journaling. I have a little book by my bed, and I just started journaling. Where did I see God at work today? And it's been fun. There was one day I had a really hard time trying to figure out where I saw God at work. But to force myself to think that way, 
was really good, and I wrote it down. Some of you guys do a great job writing that down in, 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 in different social media platforms, and that's great. Giving God glory for things. Sometimes it can be obnoxious, I'm sorry, but other times it's, it can be really helpful. Really helpful. And so it, it's a balance. Um, I have family members who talk about God and say they're praying for even me and, and others so much so that it's almost like they say that more than hello and goodbye. And I'm like, praying for you. Thank you. And you, you don't have to write that. Does that make sense? I, I don't want to be like dismissing anybody saying prayer, but we can be obnoxious. And I think we need to be loving. And we need to be genuine, but not obnoxious. Like, yeah. I, I probably said something I shouldn't have. I apologize. And then lastly, thinking it. Are we thinking it? Where did God work? What's God doing? We live in a godless land, but we see him in different places. Can we think it? I mean, Romans says it, right? It says, it says be uh, renewed by the, uh, excuse me, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's how, we, that's how we know what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. You know, uh, college students oftentimes want to know three things. Maybe four. They want to know what God's will is. These are Christian college students. They want to know God's will. They want to know about predestination. Is this real or not? It's part knowing God's will. Then they want to know about sex and heaven and if you could do both and whatever. <laughs> and uh, where did that come from? All right, before I lose it all, write it down. Write it down. Excuse me, speak it. Write it. Think it. Speak it. Write it. Think it. Even in a godless land where this text goes. You know what's cool? As after I was done writing all this, I went, Wow! Lord, you're pretty cool to get all of this from a genealogy of godlessness. Isn't that cool? It's kind of fun. You're like, Whoa! God, your word is awesome. And it's fun just to kind of be like a cow and chew on it, you know? Um, chew on it. Chew on it. God's good. God's good. Let me pray a prayer in closing. The psalmist prayed in Psalm 19, 14, both for you, for me, and with you. Oh, and before, you can lift your eyes. I, I gotta be honest. Um, Andy, Josh, and, and uh, uh, oh my gosh, Audrey and Jamie, you, you guys sang that song, Come to the Altar. Yeah. Come to the Altar. His arms are open wide. I thought we should have had an altar call right there. Yes. I don't know if we have time to sing again. It's kind of late, but the I believe in the altar. I believe in the altar of God, and we don't do that much in many churches. And, and I think that there's a, sometimes a moment where God's speaking, where even though the altar is really uncomfortable here, like I wouldn't encourage you to kneel on it, um, like tile. Does anybody knit or something? You can like. <laughs> I think there's something about coming to the altar. For a number of different reasons. One, it's a response in your mind that then hits your body. That's the second thing. It hits your body and you actually move yeah. towards God. 
now towards God. I mean, we don't have necessarily crosses or something, but it's just a movement forward that basically is saying, Lord, uh, something's different. I want, I want to respond differently. So I, I, I'm not saying, hey, we're going to do an altar call here. But I encourage you, I'm going to hang up here. I'm going to talk to people. But if, if you want somebody to pray with you, man, just come sit in the first two rows here. And, and would love to do so. You know, after service or something like that. But I don't want to leave that song just out there as a song. Yes. I want it to be a call to action. Because yes. um, his arms are wide. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. God, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be pleasing in your sight. May we know you more. May we want to know you more. Lord, maybe we don't know you, but, but this has given us a desire to want to know you. And so, God, I pray that we wouldn't leave without, without doing something about it, without marking our calendar that we're going to spend time with you, without talking to a friend and saying, hey, hold me. I, I just need to know God. Can you help me just tomorrow morning wake up and five minutes earlier or ten minutes earlier and just study your word? God, I, we, thank you for knowing us. Thank you for knowing the hairs on our head. And thank you for knowing the inmost part of our hearts where we don't even know. And, and God, you can purge us, you can cleanse us, you can do all these things. And uh, I think of that psalmist who talks about the searches and our anxious thoughts. See if there's any way we're way in us and, and lead us in the way everlasting. God, not just for our own health and benefit, but for your glory for the expansion of your kingdom, and all because of you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let us stand. It's a blessing. Um, again, Wes, thank you. Uh, I was blessed. I was blessed. And as you just pray it's a reminder that god doesn't need our gifts the world does our neighbor does our friends do um, our co-workers even when we can't stand them <laughs> right our co-workers need our gift need our gifts that god has blessed us with let us let us bow father god we come to you right now just saying thank you lord we thank you for your precious holy word Lord, we ask that you begin to use that word to transform not just our bodies, but our minds and our hearts, Father God. Lord, we thank you for being amazing and awesome. We thank you for being uh, a holy and righteous God who doesn't give us what we deserve because of what your son did on the Calvary. Lord, we thank you for City Church Sacramento, we thank you for uh, the works that you have given us, Father God. Help us to be a great steward. Help us to be stewards of our talents, Father God. May we continue to uh, lift each other up, encourage one another, and pray for one another, Father God. And that we go into the world, Father God, and show and display how amazing and awesome you are. May we go into this week, Father God, and let the world know how amazing our worship service was. What amazing word we heard, Father God, and how it transformed our hearts. Because the world needs that. The world needs you, Father God. So help us to remember that you are first. And everything that you have given us, everything that you're doing in our lives, Father God, is so we can go back out into the world 
and share and praise and worship you. Lord, we thank you for this incredible body of believers, Father God. I ask that you just continue to be with us. Again, touch Tamia as she flies out tomorrow, Father God. Be around her, her family, Father God, uh, from all, all over their family, Father God. Be with them. Lord, we thank you for what you are about to do, what you are doing in and through us, Father God. And in our pastor's absence, Father God, we ask that you would be with him, that you continue to touch him, to mold him, to protect him. Ask that you encourage Sister Lady, Sister Lady Meeks, Father God, that you be with her, to give her what she needs, Father God. Lord, we thank you for everything that you are doing, Father God. We thank you so much. And again, we'll give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. We love on Brother West because we got a word. Amen. Amen. Amen.